How many times are we supposed to do this? Oh, man. Maybe eight? I think that's four. That's five. That's six. That's seven. That, that's eight. Okay. Can you see? No. Okay, so, um, so, so in this, this blindness one, I think some of us feel like life is totally this, right? Where we're kind of blinded. And in this, Ken, I want you to make your way down from the platform, and we're actually not going to tell you um, how to get there. Sure. Well, I'll make sure you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> and know there's steps. There. <laughs> there's a few. Am I even in the right direction? I mean, you're doing pretty good. I'm on the platform. Now where? This is where it might get dangerous, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to let you know. There's a step. Whoa. All right. Whoa. Wow. Now, Ken, what if I said I want you to make your way all the way to um, Star Starbucks? And can you get me a drink? How long do you think it would take him? A long time. What, what if we spoke to him, right, and said, Ken, take three steps forward, just nothing in your way? I'd have to trust you a lot. You would have to trust me, wouldn't you? What if I took your hand? That would be better. And guided you? That would be better. Right, so when we come to blindness, we kind of wonder, which one are we in? Right, we, we know there's times when everything feels really dark to us. But I think some of us, we think that the reality is we're, we're, we're walking aimlessly and that other times we're hoping that there is something or someone whispering in our ears the direction to go. And God willing, we pray there is one to take a hold of our hand and guide us, right? Which one? Yeah. Thank you, Ken. You didn't get hurt. I might like a, a latte with um, blonde roast. Um, no. The text that we have today is about, is about, well, it's about Jesus and the birth of Jesus, but it's about God intervening in the life of Joseph. And it's about him guiding him in crisis and in, in hardship. And all of us can know dark moments. We know these, these moments and we're, and we're kind of wandering our way through them. This is something that everyone has faced, crisis and confusion, and we're wondering which way do we go. And today we want to speak about a God who does direct our path, who does take us by the hand, and who does guide us. And I want to use exactly what God is, these words that he wants to speak to us in our lives today to encourage us into this reality. What's interesting even about this day as I think about even my own dark and confusing and crisis moments, I mean, today is a marker of that for me. December the 9th, 2011 and 2012, these really weird moments happened where my wife had two ectopic pregnancies, one after the other, one year apart to the day. The first one happened locally and we rushed to the emergency room here at Providence I believe we were at Providence or maybe Beaumont. I don't even remember which hospital we went to. It was such a chaotic, crazy moment. And we went to Beaumont. The second one happened in Indiana, in Anderson, Indiana. We were attending my, my brother-in-law's dad's funeral. And all of a sudden, Carmel shared this story with many of you who have been here, where she fell down in the bathroom at McDonald's as we were getting ready to head back. And all of a sudden, she knew she was internally bleeding. And in that moment, we were in Anderson, Indiana for the next five days or so, right? Crisis and confusing moments. And you're kind of wondering, uh, what do you do? And I tell you, in those moments, I felt that I was completely, completely in the dark. Completely in the dark. Confused and, and terrified. I can remember even sitting in the hospital, sort of like a shell of a person, wondering what in the world was going on. Looking for the guidance and for God to take us by the hand. And at that point, we kind of knew, hey, there's, there is no chance of, of having children when you lose those kinds of parts of you, right? And so there's this reality of God saying, what is our, what's our future? How are you going to guide and direct us? And I, and I stand before you as one who can say, oh, there was more. There was more for us. And those moments, we could not bear what it was, but God was going to say, I, I've got more for you. I've got you. And today we want to look at these, these moments. Have you been in those? Are you in right, one right now of crisis and confusion and you're wondering, okay, God, where are we to step? Where are we to go? 
What do, you, what do you want to say to us? So not only can we make it through this season, but that we don't end up hurting ourselves even, even more, experiencing more pain or hardship. God, what, what do you want to say? So let me look into Matthew for God who intervenes and speaks. And we'll use this text even to step us into. This is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to jump around to a few different places because I want to look at the life of Joseph. And there was something very interesting in his life, right, that happened both in the early chapters of Matthew. And this is in verse 18. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you're to name him Jesus, Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel Lord commanded. And he took Mary as his wife. But did not have sexual relations with her until, until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Right, crisis and confusion and his engagement. His, his fiance turns up pregnant. Um, crisis and confusion by the Holy Spirit. She was trustworthy. She was honest. She was of good reputation. And yet she comes out with this thing. It's the Holy Spirit who's done this. And in the text we know Joseph doesn't believe her, right? How could he? He doesn't believe her. And he's in this crisis and confusing moment trying to discern, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And so because he doesn't believe her, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send her away quietly, but I'm not going to bind myself to her. And in that moment, God steps in with a messenger an angel of the Lord, and gets Joseph's attention. Joseph, this is of me. Do this. Guides his step, and Joseph comes out of this dream, is awoke, and to begin his plans, his directedness in this is altered. As he takes Mary as his wife, he names the boy Jesus. All this happens as God gets his attention. Now, this isn't the only one. Here's Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. After Jesus was born, they were in Bethlehem, and the magi or the seers came to him. They brought their gifts, and as they left, this is what it says in verse 13. When they had gone. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, who was the king in that area, is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said to the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So second dream, right, of Joseph. He gets this in the middle of the night, get up, somebody wants to kill the baby. And immediately out of the dream, he awakes, packs everything they have, and they begin on the journey in the night. I mean, that, that's some speed of obedience of God getting your attention within these, directing him as he is sort of blind. But in this moment of confusion and of chaos, God is directing him. And Joseph obeys couple verses later in Matthew 2, 19 to 23, after Herod died, so a number of some years later, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again in a dream in Egypt. This is his third, and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archias was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warmed in a dream, that's number four, that we're told of, he withdrew to the district of, of Galilee and he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So here were these stories, right? Here's Joseph, the 
caregiver, the father of Jesus, not, you know, not through his seed, but through the one who's going to be caring. And as he's caring for Jesus, the angel of the Lord continues to direct him and guide him in this crisis and confusion. Now, I mean, I get it, right? I mean, this is Jesus who has this destiny for his life. And God is directing Joseph through these dreams. But, I mean, do you, do you think that God, too, wants to direct your life towards destiny and plans that he has for you? Do you think that these dreams only became to Joseph because it was Jesus and that God doesn't want to or maybe isn't willing to actively and clearly communicate to you about which ways you are to go? And the scriptures give us a good answer to that. I don't know what your answer would be. But the scriptures speak clearly and they say, ah, this is not just because this is the the father of Jesus or the the caregiver of Jesus. No, no, God, God is looking to move in all of us to get our attention within crisis and within times of confusion to direct us towards our destiny. See, Jesus had a destiny. And believe me, it's the biggest destiny this world has ever seen in order to bring salvation to the world. There is no greater destiny. But yet when the scriptures, when the inspired spirit of God breathed upon these ancient first carriers of this good word, they said things like this. You are the masterpiece of God. You are his workmanship. He is at work within you. This is Ephesians 2.10. I know for some of you this is an anchor text. In this, in this text, Ephesians 2.10 said, We are God's masterpiece, his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that we can do the good things he planned for us. Long ago, texts like these speak to destiny. They speak to a destiny for you. That you have a destiny. I, I have friends who struggle with this word destiny. They, they think it sounds um, too grand, right? Almost arrogant. Right? They, they feel like, no, no, no. no I don't. But in this text it says, no, you've been created for good works, that God is at, he is at work shaping, he has planned good things for you to do, that he has prepared for you long ago. Do you not think that God wants to move you in those directions to step into those? I'll answer it, he does. So will you turn to the person closest to you? And in your, like your coolest, Morpheus, or like seer voice, who's speaking into the future of the person next to you, say this, you have a destiny. That's my attempt at the coolness factor. Speak to the person next to you in your most convincing voice. You have a destiny. You have a destiny. And, and, and I think there's some who you have never believed that today. And my hope today is that the Spirit in the few remaining moments could breathe this upon you to believe that your future is more than you thought or that you've dreamt or you've been able to imagine by God taking a hold of you. And even looking into your present circumstances that may not convey to you in any sense destiny. Because our present circumstances can sometimes communicate the entire opposite. But God isn't looking at his circumstances. He says, I don't see the darkness as you do. The darkness is light to me. Your darkness is not to convey your present Darkness is not a conveyor of destiny. The conveyor of destiny is God who has birthed you and shaped you in the womb and formed every piece of you to speak into your future. It says, I've prepared you for good things and I did it long ago. Trust me. Proverbs 16.9 says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. He guides us. So the story that we told in Matthew, 
was one that Jesus was born, but the work of Jesus was not done. And when the work of Jesus was done through his crucifixion and his resurrection, and not only his resurrection, but the giving of his Holy Spirit that happened in, in the scriptures, everything changed in this reality of a God coming and guiding us and directing us. And in Acts 2, when the Spirit of God poured upon, freely upon people, see the Spirit of God before this was something that um, empowered a people, sort of came around them, it fueled them for a task. But what happened in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had risen from the dead, the Spirit of God remained on people. It breathed upon them and it rested there and it didn't leave. Before that, the Spirit would come and go. But now something changed because Jesus said, hey, um, you are going to, I'm going to build a new temple and you're the temple and God is going to reside in you. And this is something no one could understand, but we as people became the carriers. We became the vessels. We were the jars of clay, which what the scriptures say about these broken vessels, which the spirit of God lives in us. And when that happened, everything changed. And so even so, Peter himself in Acts 2, when the Spirit came, he said, oh my goodness, what has been spoken long ago from the prophet, from the seer, Joel, has come to be. And it says this. Now this is what, it, when, they, when they are looking at this, and everybody's wondering, what in the world is happening? The Spirit falling on all the people. And in verse 17, and he says this. This is from Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And it keeps going. So I want to ask you this. So visions and dreams and, and words of God to direct and to encourage and to move us. Were those something that was no more to happen? He says, no, with the giving and the spirit, this is the promise for all of us. That everyone will be guided and led by God's spirit in different ways. Yes, some have different giftings in that. But the reality is, is that the gift of the spirit is given to all who trust in Jesus. Who find life in Jesus. And the spirit is this promise that's there. So I say, oh no, this is different. God is with us. And guiding us and directing us. And his spirit is in us to do just that. Through prophecy, through visions, through his whispers, through his promptings, through his dreams. In the early church, this was so evident. And so let me move quickly through some of this. Where God is moving people. In the early church, it was Peter that happened when he, uh, the church was kind of struggling to understand the full scope. These early followers of Jesus, they were struggling to understand the full scope of the message of this good news. And all of a sudden, Peter's sitting on a roof at a time of prayer and has this vision. God lowering down this sheet with all these animals on it. And in it was this voice of the Lord saying, kill and eat. And these were animals for an Orthodox Jewish person, for a person who was being the, the, the laws of kashrut, which is the, what you should eat and what you should not eat. Certain things that were clean and unclean. He said, no, kill and eat. And Peter's wrestling with this. But, it, but in the end, God was getting his attention. And the word was this. Do not call anything unclean that I have cleaned. And he wasn't just speaking about animals. Because immediately, there was somebody who was outside of the tribe of Israel. Outside of the family of God. Outside of the lineage of Abraham. Far from God. Who was a soldier. Who had probably committed all sorts of things. But yet his heart was tuned to God. And all of a sudden, God had spoken to him. In a vision, saying, go get Peter and have him come to you and have him share with you good news. See, it, it was visions to direct people in crisis and confusion. The crisis and confusion that was happening is through persecution and hardship. But all of a sudden, God is revealing to all the people how far he wants this message to go and to whom. No one is beyond this. Peter wasn't the only one. Paul was another Paul was getting ready to head on a missionary journey and, and wanting to take the message. I mean, he had visions from God even as he was far from God. The majority of people, and I know Dan can probably mention to this and others of you who have traveled around the world, man, there are people in this world who don't know of Jesus, but Jesus is revealing himself to them in dreams. 
He's removing their blindness. People who are who have other faiths and other traditions and other races that Jesus is coming to them and saying, I'm Jesus, follow me. And they do. Them and their family. And that was Paul's experience. But his other one is that he is getting ready to head on this missionary journey. His life is freely surrendered. And he's looking to be guided and directed. And in this text of Acts, this is in Acts 16, it's saying that the Spirit stopped him from going places. No, don't go there. And he says, it's the Spirit who was guiding them in which way they should go. Don't go here, do this. And all of a sudden, in a vision, a man from Macedonia says, Paul, come here. And because of that move, the Philippian church was started, and the book of Philippians was written, and everything that's happened there in those areas is a byproduct of God moving people within crisis and confusion and directing their paths. Those who have followed Jesus have found themselves on these, on these ways. I mean, Jesus has even spoke to us before he was going. He told us that this would be for us that there was going to be one that was going to be given to us in dark times. In the book of John, um, almost a third of it is written about one night, a one 24-hour period, right, from the time that Jesus heads off with his disciples and the time he's crucified. Huge chunks of text and of narrative and of Jesus speaking. It's a beautiful book. And it's beautifully written where John is saying, hey, I want this to be really clear. And he was writing to people who were in confusion and in crisis. And John was writing to a church that was in confusion and in crisis and was in need of renewal as they were experiencing persecution and hardship. And he wanted to remind them of God who would come and take hold of them in their hand and their blindness and guide them. And so he speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit and so he wrote this to this church by reminding them about what Jesus had said. And this is in John 16. Verse 7 he says, But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's writing this to the church. Do you understand, right? He, he, this is years after the resurrection of Jesus, he's writing to a group of people who are struggling in crisis and he's trying to encourage them of this promise of the Holy Spirit that's for them. A comforter, a helper, a guide. I will send him to you and he, when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness because they go to the Father. Uh, And you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And let's go into the next part too of John 16. And this is verse 12. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Did you hear all that about this promise of this Holy Spirit? God directs our steps. And I want to speak to a couple of things in here, those texts, about God directing our steps from the exact words of Jesus. And here's the things that I said, I've kind of written down about God directing our steps from that text. The first one is, is that God will direct our steps concerning sin. God will direct our steps concerning righteousness. God will direct our steps concerning judgment. God will direct our steps concerning so much more. When you can bear it. That's why I want to stop with that. So let me go on to this. About God directing our steps. This first part of this text is God will direct our steps concerning sin. Well the first part he says hey the spirit is going to be released. And it's going to bring concerning. He's going to bring conviction to the world concerning their sin. Because they haven't believed in Jesus. They haven't trusted that Jesus was the Messiah. The one that was bringing forgiveness of sins across the board. Bring a new life. And he will do this. The Spirit will convict people. This is the work of God's Spirit. And this sin in here just wasn't sins of missing the mark. It was the sin of not trusting in the one that can truly save your soul. What's so awesome about this ancient book is there's a whole bunch of people who have attempted again and again to find salvation And life, 
from sin, of missing the mark. And every one of them has fallen short. Kings and prophets and those people anointed by God and studying the scriptures, all they've all fallen short. And if the Spirit is saying, hey, I want to bring this conviction of sin, this conviction of sin not only about you falling short, but also about this reality that you can't save yourself. And if you're living your life trying to, let me breathe upon you this truth. You can't do this. You're trying to be God. The Spirit comes to lead us and to direct us. Now, it does want that first step that we make to trusting in Jesus comes from His Spirit. We, we were unblinded to the reality of Jesus and this truth of Jesus that He loves us, that He has died for our sins. That we are, that we are outside of this out of our own brokenness. That we have gone our own ways. That we have tried to be God ourselves. That we've been calling our own shots. That we've been trying to save ourselves. And we can't. He comes to us and he speaks this word of truth upon us. You can't save yourself. Convicting us with our sins. Now, the spirit of God also, as we follow him, does convict us of our sin. This reality where it's moving us saying, hey, I'm not calling you into that. No, don't go that way. As followers of Jesus, we miss the mark. And the Spirit continues to correct us and refresh us and, and shapes us and molds us and sends us in the right direction. He does that a lot of times through the Scriptures. What I love about this text in this text of Matthew in chapter 1 Matthew, or I'm sorry, in Matthew about Joseph, Joseph in that first part of the story was intending to divorce his fiancée Mary. And in that time you, when you were betrothed or you were engaged, it was like a marriage. And that would last for somewhere up to a time of a year. Uh, and you wouldn't consummate it sexually until you were actually formally or officially married after this long engagement. But the engagement was considered like marriage. But since Israel's under Roman law and stuff, they, they're, they're, there were some other things that they could do. And Joseph, in this text, says that he planned to do it quietly. Now, he could have chosen not to do it quietly, and that, this means this, that he would have pulled Mary in front of his community, in front of the rulers, and he would have said, we were betrothed, we had this agreement, there was dowries and a bride price, and yet she has forsaken these promises in our engagement, and he could come and he could claim all of those things for himself and receive that money. It was, it was right. It was a right of his to do under Roman law. And he could totally do it. He could make money off of this. And he had the right to do so. But yet it's said that he was a righteous man. And that didn't drive him, Right? The money portion didn't drive him, even though he had a right to it. And he decided to do it quietly. And God speaks to him in dreams and says, take her. See, his heart, I mean, could you imagine if he wanted to do it loudly in order to get what was his, in order for that money to be his, to, out of his own hardship to make a buck? But yet, that wasn't, that wasn't there. Sometimes for us, man, money can get really funny. And as we're trying to listen and obey God, we can get hung up around making a dollar or two in the process. Nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with it. But, but when it becomes the end in mind, when we're driven to that, it can so often um, derail us from the steps and the things that God wants from us. Has God ever derailed you from something where you could make a buck? Or make a lot of money? When he's saying, I actually have something different for you. See, Jesus himself warned us and said, one, sometimes one of the hardest parts is when we know that when God's inviting us into something different and it might um, adjust our financial means, he can know how hard it is to say yes to that. How difficult it is. Now, is that, is that sin? I would say that anything that allows us to miss the mark of our destiny, of our destiny in God that is bigger, that is grander, that is, that is maybe uh, more influential in this world than maybe making a few extra dollars. Yeah, it is. 
And the Spirit of God wants to move in us, to breathe upon us, say, hey, let me guide and direct you towards the things that truly bring life. Because one of the greatest temptations of being a Westerner, as we all are, is materialism, where we believe that material things bring life. And you know what? They bring death and debt. May God, by his spirit, take you by the hand and guide you to life. And he says, anything that you give up by following me will be so much worth more than what you could have earned. He wants to guide and direct us towards life and concerning sin. The other thing that he wants to guide and direct us, it says, too, is concerning righteousness. Now, concerning righteousness is this, and, and in this text, Jesus tells us what it is. And he says this, that Jesus is the righteous one who has risen from the dead. I mean, that's the concerning righteousness that he wants to do. The Spirit is going to let us know that Jesus is the righteous one. He is the one whose life was good. As he has risen from the dead, because we would see him no more in this life, but he would be sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's what it says here in John 16 concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. I will ascend to the Father. I will be with the Father. We will be one. I will be the righteous one. So he's saying, hey, he's going to convict you concerning your own sin. You cannot be the Savior, but Jesus is the righteous one, sitting at the right hand of Father. And then concerning judgment. And what's the Spirit going to do about judgment? Here's the Spirit in judgment. You've got you to read this closely, right? He's going to judge the ruler of this age. That's the judgment. The judgment is the ruler of this world has been judged. Do you know that the Spirit of God is not proclaiming upon you, I see you, I see your deeds, and, I, and I'm judging you, you're condemned. Now the Spirit is saying, no, I, I am, I have condemned the ruler of this age, Satan, the deceiver, and for those of you who have trusted in Christ Jesus, Paul said, hey, there is no condemnation for you. There, there is no accusation against you. Are you still struggling? Yes. Well, may God breathe his spirit in you and tell you something better. To, to move you for your good, to take you by the hand and to guide you some more. But let him do it by his good calling to you into better life than what, than what we're presently living these are the things that Jesus is wanting to speak to us about guiding our steps. He's saying, hey, I'm going to guide you away from sin. I'm going to guide you, but I'm going to let you know that Jesus is the one who's going to give that to completely free you from sin because he is the righteous one. And there is no judgment in this world for those who trust in him. And those who don't yet, you're, you're, you're standing in judgment, but not by the Spirit. You're standing in judgment to all the things that you already know that are written on your heart and by God's word. That's what the scriptures say. That's how he guides us. He's guiding us to Jesus, away from sin, towards righteousness, which is Jesus, and away from this judgment, knowing that the evil one has been judged. But here's the final word that he says in here in John 16. But he says, I have so much more to say to you. Verse 12. More than you can now bear. Church, for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, this word is fresh for you today. I have so much more to share with you. There's an ongoing conversation that Jesus is wanting this by the Spirit of God to direct you. I have so much more. But right now, it's more than you can bear. It's more. But believe me, I'm going to guide you and I'm going to lead you into all truth by the Spirit. He's saying that I'm giving you what you can handle right now, but I'm going to guide you. There is more. There is more for you. It is not over for you. It is not done. God is not silent. He is taking you by the hand and saying there is so much more to share. And if you've been listening, you receive what he has for you in the moment. But no, there's more. And maybe at this moment you've received all you're going to receive, but there's more for you. That he will continue to disclose. This is the truth of the God who takes us by the hand. He will guide us into all truth and he will make known to us what comes from the Father. I believe that was his word for us this morning. There is more for you. 
And I think for some of us, you're in a se- if you're in the dark and the confusing, yeah, we got to listen in to those words from the Lord. And what does he want to say to you? But sometimes in the hardship, I know for me, when I sat in that dark place and sitting in those hospitals, and I can remember sitting in a, in a hall, in like the stairwell, and I was angry, and I was mad, and I was cussing. Up. I mean, I, I'm a terrible cusser. I'm not good at it. Right? You're, but, you know, some of you are really good at it, and I'm envious. <laughs> I'm not good at it. It comes across, it comes across dumb, right? But, um, but you know that when you're, you're you know, when my son gets so mad, right? He's three. He knows, he knows how to say poop and pee, you know, right? <laughs> and and we're, I can remember sitting in there and being so confused and whatever the things that I could say that would just, right? It, it was that moment of just hurt and like, ugh. And in those moments, this is where God's like, I've, I've got more for you, right? A whisper from that, a whisper like that from God in that moment for me silenced Silence to my soul, right? One word from God changes everything. And sometimes even in our darkness, our confusion, a word from God that says, I've got more for you. This isn't it. I've got more for you. But at this moment, it's more than you can bear. And so what does a good father do? The comforter comes around us, wraps us, encourages us, brings people around us, and continues to love us. May you hear the word from the Spirit that there is more for you. That is always true. There's more for you. But maybe at this moment it's more than you can bear. And allow God to continue to show you that more. As I was praying and I was reading through this text this morning and looking about how to close this morning, I feel like the Lord was saying, hey, go back to the text. There's more in that text. So I, I opened it up, and I began reading, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there is more. And you, know, you ever had these moments where all of a sudden you realize you're reading in the wrong place? <laughs> and I was. But then God was saying, yeah, hey, you're blind, Right? Sometimes you don't even know where you're reading. But I've got more for you. And so here, here's what, this was the more. It comes from John 15. How's a chapter off? But he said this. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I call you a friend. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I have learned my father. I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to bear fruit that would last. And so may we hear these words again today. For me, it was this freshness of that of saying, our God, as we, as we walk in our crisis and chaos, confusion, he takes us by the hand and says, I call you friend. I'm not going to leave you blind. I'm going to guide you and I'm going to direct you. I have chosen you. You did not choose this path. You did not choose God. He chose you and calls you friend. And then his final word saying this, and I have appointed you to bear fruit that would last. You have a destiny. You are not completely in the dark. We have a God by his Holy Spirit that will guide us. And there's more for you. Let's pray. So Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe upon your church this morning? Would you breathe your word, Lord, in the same way that your word gave, gave life to me, God? May your words and your freshness, God, give life to your body. 
for those who have never heard it, Lord, or heard you calling them and choosing them and offering life through Jesus, the Messiah, may the blindness go away, God, and a receptivity to Jesus be fresh. And Lord, for those who are in darkness and confusion, would you speak by your Holy Spirit upon them now, comforting and encouraging and taking them by the hand that you are with them. Okay, would you speak your word to them that you want to say by your spirit that's in them? We pray, Lord. Thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. For some, the God, that have forgotten that they are yours. Would you fill them? Would they be able to actually experience, God, your warmth, your nearness, the reality of your presence, of the gift that you offer them, of you directing, guiding, and leading to all truth that would continue to remind them that there's more for them, God, in your family and what you're wanting to do in them, through them, by your spirit that is at work. Come, Holy Spirit, whispering your words of adoption, your words freeing people from a false identity to the new one, that they are yours, friends, chosen We pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to sing as we close. I think we have some really fitting songs about the beauty of our God. And so, um, John and have us lead us, and I, I, pray, I think we should stand for these, and sing, and worship, and allow God to move in this moment.
Everything 
Wonderful. That song is all about believing what God says of us by his spirit inside of us. We know there's ancient practices of Jesus where he taught his people to step into his lifestyle, which was hearing from the Father daily. And many of us have struggled with a lot of those lifestyle things of Jesus. Like, how do we practice the things that Jesus practiced so that we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us? That we can receive that more that he has for us, those fresh words of our identity. Fresh words of authority where he's sending us out. We know it's crucial. It's your right to hear from him. I know that in February, we're going to be practicing uh, hearing from God. We're going to be practicing that in our small groups, these ancient practices of Jesus. And for some of you, it's just in the Advent readings, like engage with the Advent calendar and incline your ear and let God speak to you through the scriptures, through the small voices, but let him direct you. He has something to say because you're his. May you hear it. I pray that you'd go on the blessing of the Father. I pray that your ears would be open to hear again fresh the more that he has for you today. Amen. Church, we have a meet and greet for anybody who's new to Genesis um, or you've still been here for two years but nobody knows your name. Um, so go to the meet and greet and introduce right there in the back. We'd love to meet you, help you get signed up, but have a great, great Sunday.